Welcome to Under the Blanket. And may Mirage bless with his Ashurbad his blessing this second episode with guest host Addy Baba. Addy Baba. <laughs> yes. Ram Ram. Welcome. Ram Addy Ram Baba. Ram. How Thank are you, you doing in the here and the uh. now? Ooh, I am doing so well right now in the here and now. Oh, I love it in the here and now. Thank you for inviting me to your show. It's a great privilege. I'm really glad to be here. Ah, oh, it's been a long time coming, huh? Yeah. And Alibaba, how did you become involved with Miraji and the book Be Here Now? Tell us. Your journey. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, <laughs> that's a story, huh? I guess I've always been on the journey. I feel like even as a little kid, um, I felt something, a deeper connection to something. Um, probably started when I was uh, living with my grandparents. Um, I was born in 1965. My mom and my dad were together for a little bit, but then my dad split and went off to Chicago with his parents. And my mom stayed in Long Island, New York. And my grandparents kind of took over because at that time it was still a little bit taboo to have somebody, you know, known around town as, you know, getting divorced or being, uh, you know, a single mom. It's like, you know, you want to do everything you could to help your family out. You didn't have to make a big deal out of it. That's how it was. Now it's like normal. But um, uh, I remember being with my grandmother. I remember being uh, very young and sitting on the living room floor and looking at old pictures. And I, I used to say, who that? Who that? Who that? You know, who, who are these who are these people? You know, in these black and white photos, they look so eerie, you know? They look so like people were ancient from so long ago. But a lot of these people had passed on, and I really couldn't get a grasp of that. Like, what do you mean passed on? You, they're not here anymore? Like, where did they go? So that was like my first sense of like, I think, uh, being inquisitive about something of so being unusual because I don't think a lot of kids do that you know I mean I used to look forward to sitting down looking at those pictures every time I was you know in, in that drawer pulling it out that that dining room drawer you know pulling out that big drawer sitting down on that Persian rug that she had and pouring the pictures out and uh and then also there was another time underneath the uh, staircase downstairs in the basement, which was, I used to be petrified, but if I was downstairs and my grandmother was doing laundry, I'd go down there. And under the staircase was a whole bunch of stuff and there was a book there. And it was on the, on the cover of the book, there was this like old man with really long hair and with this, these tablets. And obviously they were the 10 commandments. And, you know, I had no idea what this meant. And, it looked like God to me. And I'm like, who is this person? It looked holy. I, I like, oh, she says, my grandma says, that's Moses. You know, that's uh, God. <laughs> I'm like, 
really? <laughs> oh, tell me more about that. You know, what can you tell me about that? I'm like, whoa. Uh, so, you know, I point out that story only because um, if I if I think to myself, you know, where did it all start? Where did it all start? Where did it really all start? I have no idea where it started. I could pick out a few little things like that, you know. And then later on in life, of course, you know, going through life, my mom remarries, has two more kids. I'm an older brother. I got a younger brother and a sister now. I'm eight years older than my youngest, you know, my younger brother and 13 years younger than my uh, sister, then 20 years uh, older than my other sister. So there's a big gap there. Um, you know, uh, this path, this journey, how did I get there? Well, it's so funny because who knows? Um, you know, then leading up into my teens and 20s and 30s. I was living in Chicago for a while. I had a really bad accident. I had a compound fracture of the left tibia fibula. And um, there was nobody there to really help out the situation except for my family, my mom, my mom's sister, my aunt, and my cousins, and everybody tried to help me out. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my father, who I never really met before, comes into my life. And this was at 27 years old. And it's like, what? What the fuck? How does this happen, you know? Why do these things keep happening? You know, what, what, what's going on, you know? Well, I've always had a lot of faith, you know? Uh, I remember being a teenager and I, I understood that my father was not in my life because he left when I was really young. Um, I did have a stepfather, like I was explaining before, and then I had the, my younger brothers and sisters. And, um, you know, life went on and I was very accepting of, every, of everything. And, I was, I guess I was pretty good in how I picked my parents. I guess I was on that line waiting to get in and somehow, somehow, some way I got in there just at the right time because if you look at it that way, they're perfect parents. They, they allowed me to have room to grow and also um, gave me uh, a nice comfortable place where I can kind of, you know, have this exploration, I guess, going on. I mean... I think about the first time I got high, it was probably on the playground when I was on that thing that spins around. And you just keep making it go around and around and around until you stop and you can't walk anymore. I mean, you know, <clears throat> there was a lot of things that was not normal about me, <laughs> but, not, but not that bad. I think things that were just, you know, pointing in a, in a really cool direction. But uh, moving along, um, I wound up moving to Chicago. I met my father for the first time at 27. He just decides to come into my life out of nowhere when I had this really bad accident. I wind up moving to Chicago. I think that was a miracle in itself. And so I kept believing in miracles uh, because there were so many really weird things and cool things happening in my life. Um, and this one was a doozy. And I uh, came at the right time and I kept open. I left an old girlfriend. But... Uh, it seems like I was dealing with a lot of things being here now at that time without getting into the book or anything like that, because that didn't even come about until when I got out of Chicago. I spent 11 years in Chicago after the operation of the left tibia fibula 
fibula when they put the exterior fixator on it didn't work and they had to re-break the bones and put a cast boot on and all, all this other stuff it took quite a while but that was like something that really showed me how to be here now once again still without even reading the book um seems like i was already on some sort of path uh could never really understand any of it but I just kept allowing it all to happen when i left chicago after 11 years, when I figured out there was nothing left for me to do there, um, my father lived there and he moved to Tallahassee and opened up a pet land. He wanted me to do that, but I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, you enjoy yourself with the pets, but uh, me, I'm in the jewelry business. I'm selling diamonds for a living. I think that's a, a noble thing and that's what I like doing. And I think it's a, you know, making people happy and you know, there's a lot of love that goes into that. But uh, it wasn't until I found out that there was nothing left in Chicago and I came back to New York in 2004, <clears throat> and my cousin Skip, who was about seven years younger than I, and who visited me a lot in Chicago, and I always used to hook him up with a lot of girls, because <laughs> he used to say, if you can help me out, I sure would appreciate it, you know? <laughs> I'm like, okay, no problem. You know, I'm sure I can find whoever I'm dating must have some friends, you know? I'm sure they'll love you. you got a great personality. And he, he did. He was a very funny guy, great personality. Uh, everybody loved him. Um, we were great together. People loved us together. We were very funny. And, but him and I are kind of opposite. Um, uh, he's a Virgo. I'm a Pisces. And two different types of um, personalities. Um, but yet we worked well together. And um, it seems like what he, uh, he was missing, I had, and what I was missing, he had, and we kind of put it together. We just, you know, and it worked. And I think in our signs, it actually is like that in our zodiacs, if you read up on it. Um, but he saw a lot of great potential in me. And he says, you know what, Adam? You could be doing a lot better. You could be doing this. You got, I see your creativity. I see this. I see that. I'm like, Skip, come on, whatever. You know, I do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. I think I'm creative enough. I think I do the whole thing, right? according to my uh, way of doing things. He says, you know what? I've got this book called The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I'm like, okay. He's a, he's a motivational speaker, um, I'm gathering. Yes, he's a motivational speaker. I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe you need a motivational speaker, but I think like I have enough in myself where I motivate myself. I don't need anything like that. Well, he begged me to read this book and he just wanted somebody to read a book with him, like as if we were in a book club or something like that. And, I, you know, this is not the type of material, material that I really enjoyed to read. I really like things like Fear and Loathing in, in Las Vegas and, you know, um, you know uh, William S. Burroughs and, you know, <laughs> you know, things of that sort of nature. Um, but uh, I gave this a shot and I read some pages in this book and I have to tell you, it was pretty good. And I read that book and it helped me, it guided me, it, it gave me a fresh look at my own self. And in those pages mentioned a man by the name of Richard Alpert who went to India in the 1970 or 60s and met his guru. Neem um, Karoli Baba, and I really didn't understand any of it, but I was taking notes. 
So I, I believe it was from that book that I learned about Be Here Now. And I went out and I got that book. And when I got that book, uh, it really grabbed me. It really did something profound and very, very special. It was something out of the ordinary. Um, the book was very unusual, the way that it was set up. I didn't understand it, but what I really loved was that hippie feel. I really had a connection to the hippies when I was younger. I remember the flare, bell bottoms. I remember when the hippies that lived across the street from us had their vans with the teardrop cutout window and the curtains and everything. And they used to spray paint their boots silver or gold or something. And they had the long beards and the smoking doobies. And it was so great. They were so beautiful and peaceful. And like our parents would be like, oh, no, don't go near them. They're smoking pot. Don't go near them. I'm like, these are beautiful people. Why are you so scared of these people? That's what I always thought. I had a connection. I heard the music in the 60s, the 70s. I was drawn to it. We had a big, deep shag carpet in our den. You could lose a half a dollar in it. We had these bright yellow couches. My mother was a fashion girl. My stepfather, everybody. We had stereo systems. We had the best eight tracks. And yet, stay away from the hippies. But you're almost like living hippie style, except you're not smoking the pot and doing the LSD. <laughs> mm. But that's okay, I guess. You know, you're raising some kids. Maybe you did it. Maybe you didn't. Well, I learned to know that they didn't. But I could see how the 60s and the 70s and the love counterculture did affect and influence their lives and our lives. Even if you didn't do any psychoactive you know, plant medicines or, you know, anything of that type. It was still, you know, transcending and trans transforming all of us. You didn't need to have any indulgence in any of it in order to get uh, high, I think, because of everything that was going on around. Um, but of course, you know, that started to fade away. And just as I was getting older, I was like, where is it going? And then, of course, we got into the 80s. I was in high school in the 80s, you know. It was a different scene, you know, we had the little skinny leather ties and you know, red, blue, black, whatever, and silk shirts. And, you know, it was a totally different scene. It was disco, it was punk, it was rock, it was all kinds of stuff, you know. So, man, but I could not get that out of my head those that time. I wish I was alive. I mean, I was alive, but I wish I was a lot older to experience all of that. But lo and behold, this book comes along and I'm in my 40s now when this book comes along. Um, and I'm experiencing everything that I feel like I missed. And I, it's not like it ever went anywhere. I'm learning from this book how everybody is still here. I found Ram Das. Um, through Ram Das, I found yoga and meditation. And through Ram Das and the Be Here Now book, I also met my guru, which is an old man that has no teeth that wears a blanket, <laughs> a, pla a, a, a plaid one. 
and here we are under it. And it's the most beautiful thing that I could ever ask for. And I have to say another thing really quick. Being of the Jewish faith, being born into the Jewish faith because of my parents, um, I didn't want to make, I didn't want my mother, I didn't want to have that Jewish guilt. I didn't want to do anything that was going against my mother's beliefs or my family or anything like that. But the love that I had found through Be Here Now was not a brainwashing. It wasn't something that was a cult to me. It wasn't something that was steering me in the wrong direction. In fact, it was something that was missing in my life. And that was that unconditional love. And your mother can give you that until she throws you out of the house. And your grandparents can give you that until they leave the earth. And a girlfriend can give you that until she breaks up with you. Um, You know, but this love, when I said to myself, I can't live in this world without love. And then all of a sudden, this comes along right around the same time. I knew that there was something in this. There was something very special about this. It was, and I was very open. A lot of people used to tell me, oh, Adam, you're such a nice guy. How do you do these things? Like, why do you go out and you get drunk all the time? Or why do you go out and screw up or spend all your money and, and do this and do that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you feel like shit and then you scoop another shovel of shit on top of yourself. What do you, I'm like, really? I'm doing that? Because I don't really feel like I'm doing that. But if you see that I'm doing that, everybody used to say, you have so much potential. You have so much this. You have... I'm like, okay, fine. That's beautiful. That's great. Um, I just can't live in this world without the love. You know what I mean? It was getting depressing. So I really didn't, there was times when I just didn't really care what was going on. And I would keep trying because I love my family and I trusted in them. They were always there for me, no matter what, uh, through sickness, through appendix, through broken nose, through a broken leg, like I said before, through all kinds of other stuff. And I, I can't see anything better than having the support system of really a family. But really, you know, how long does that last? as long as your family is, exists, which is beautiful, don't get me wrong, but that love, that unconditional love that comes from Maharaji, and that didn't come so easy, easily, let me tell you. Um, I was trying to fight this a little bit, and I started doing yoga, I started doing the meditation, I started listening to Kirtan music slowly. I was allowing myself to go in a direction freely that was agreeing with me. And I said to myself, I would go as far as I would go until I felt like, well, this is not right. But um, it was all all right. Even when I had that wonderful experience, sleeping, going to bed and waking up in the morning uh, when I was living in the White Plains, I was renting this beautiful house and when all this was going on and I was doing a lot of art there, I was doing psychedelics there. This is the first time that I was doing psychedelics because I did not do that stuff when I was a teenager or when I was in my 20s or my 30s. I waited because uh, my mother said it was bad. (laughs) But 
I tried the bad, the bad stuff. I did the Coca-Cola. I did the alcohol. I did, you know, but I didn't do the fun stuff, really. Um, and then, lo and behold, when I found out after reading, you know, things about Ram Dass and that he was the um, Harvard University professor, him and Timothy Leary, I'm like, well, this is really getting juicy now. And I'm like, and I just had finished um, reading uh, Terence McKenna, Food of the Gods, learning about um, mycelia, you know, psilocybin mushrooms and the trips and everything. And um, I mean, I was going in it in a way that uh, was responsible and that um, I was really getting a lot out of it. You know, um, I did work the psychedelics in with the readings. I did experience some very profound um, encounters, uh, very spiritual ones, very uh, divine um, experiences. And I remember waking up one morning and I had a dream about Maharaji. He asked because I said, who are you? I kept asking him, like, why are you around? Like, I understand you're Ram Dass's guru, but what do you have to do with me? I, I'm not looking for a guru. I don't, you know, it's, it was, this is not my, this was not my quest, really. What I was seeking and searching was love, I guess, but I didn't realize to, you know, what kind of, um, gift that I was going to be given and what kind of an impact this would have on my life. So Maharaji came in, into my dream and I know he was there and I talked to him and I couldn't believe it. And I woke up and I was crying, hysterically crying. And um, he, he touched me. He came into my, and I knew he was not alive. I knew he already left his body in 1973. I knew all that. So it was very strange that he should all of a sudden come into my life. Um, and not only that, but because of all this talk about Jesus and when um, they used to ask Maharaji, you know, how do I meditate? And he used to say, you meditate like Christ. Christ died in love. You know, he let himself go. He, allowed, he had forgiveness for the people that were putting him in that situation, that predicament. And he let all that go because he knew there was so much more. And that was amazing for a Jewish kid who, who went to Hebrew school, who got bar mitzvah, who, you know, tried to stay, have a one track mind. You know, um, that didn't stick. I found Bhakti Yoga through Ram Das from my cousin Skip through the reading of Wayne Dyer. And here I am now. And not only that, but um, um, also um, Hanuman Chalisa, the one Kirtan song that I said I would never ever in a million years, you know, want to listen to or even try to sing or anything. That is the one for the past two and a half years now, or maybe three, that I have been memorizing and chanting and reciting on a daily basis. And now through Ira Rose, one of our um, group members for the Hanuman Chalisa group that we do, um, uh, I do it on a daily basis. I do it in the morning, I do it in the evening. And it, it, you know, Hanuman, you know, all of a sudden now I'm into a monkey god. Go figure that one out, you know. Ganesha, mm -hmm. 
and a monkey god. You know, I, I tried to learn as much as I could about psychedelics. I tried to open up my mind to Buddhism, Kabbalah, um, you know, um, Hin- Hinduism, everything. And what has stuck is really Buddhism and Hindu. Um, so now I call myself a Binju <laughs> <laughs> who believes in Christ. You know how that goes. <laughs> there, are, there are others out there. And then when I learned that Ram Das was actually, uh, his parents were Jewish, he was Jewish. Uh, Jack Kornfield, um, you know, uh, a few other people out there. I was like, whoa, so this can't be so bad. You know what I mean? My mother won't be too mad at me. Be too mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so loving. It's so beautiful. And and through Maharaji, I've met you. You are definitely a soul mate. You're a soul pod. Um, We've come to know each other very well. We're very easy going with one another. I love what you do. Like, I love the whole hippie scene. I feel like you know, the 60s and 70s were not for nothing because we have you to carry the torch. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I remember seeing you with Elise also, and I was saying to myself, oh my God, this is great. She's the real flower child. Like, she re- represents perfectly. It's like, I, thank, thank God, through Ram Dass, through Maharaji, through you, through Elise, through, um, you know, Cosm and Alex Gray and Allison Gray. Like, I'm reliving it here now. Like, I didn't have to be born. Or I was born back then, but I was not, like, a teenager experiencing it. But I feel like I'm going through it now. Like, I didn't miss a damn thing. And the 60s and the 70s were, 70s were very interesting times because politically, you had the civil rights movement. You had women's rights. You had the psychedelics, which were not a scheduled one on narcotic at that time. You know, there were a lot of things going on that were free. And a lot of radical ideas, a lot of things that may possibly transpose or like kind of, you know, have to do with what's going on now in our political system. And we we have Bernie Sanders. I'm sure he tripped, but he's not going to say anything. Maybe not. Uh, I have no idea. Not that that's everything, but you know. Yeah. Well, um, Alibaba, your story warms my heart, and I feel right now, right here, connected to Raji (laughs) as all form, for he is you, and he is me. And it's interesting (laughs) you bring up Elise, because I'd like to go Mm -hmm. off on that, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. and how did I meet Elise? And uh, mm. she's my, uh, what you call, I guess, a twin flame. Many past lives together. Uh, yeah. Out the, both the best and the worst of each other to awaken to our oneness with it all. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'll tell the short version. Basically, I was, uh, I was involved with Be Here Now and Mirage, but I was mm. also involved with Ananda Maima at the time, who was the Indian woman saint, a mm-hmm. mom. And mm-hmm. every night I would uh, pray to her for my dream girl, I called it. And mm-hmm. I wrote a, a list of what my dream girl would be like. She had a, like the 60s and 70s, the classic rock of that era, the time of that area. She 
She had to uh, be multicultural, learn from different religions. She had to be spiritual, but not religious. She had to be on the path of awakening. She had to have done psychedelics. She had to be like a hippie type looking uh, young woman. Now, I prayed for that every night for six months, uh, looking into the eyes of Ananda Mahima and meditating. One day I was in college at the time. All of a sudden, a woman walks by. It's Elise. And I feel like lightning strikes. And I remember past <laughs> lives with her. And I fall in also romantic That's beautiful. Love. Not just uh. spiritual love, but romantic love was a part of it. And we end up getting in a conversation. And from that point on, we have a, a bumpy, very high, very low relationship. Uh, very intense. And at one point when we first met, uh, we had a tantric sex experience. She was involved in tantric sex, so was I. And that could be as powerful as psychedelics. We were involved with the techniques and the breathing and the sexual energy. And we went out of our bodies into the deva plane, mm-hmm. which is beyond this time and space and this universe. It's another universe of heavenly bliss and light. And uh, we were there for maybe a thousand years. And mm-hmm. we came back. In our bodies. Imagine being somewhere for a thousand years and then coming back to being human in the place of having sex. Did you just have that experience? And we both were like, Yes. We That's had that experience. Very, when we were back in our bodies, it felt like the feeling of waking up from a dream into oh. another dream, the dream of the physical world. And that's what it felt like, but we knew it was real in the sense that it's as real as this is real, you know? Yeah. And um, in that sense, and, you know, we realized we were on a mission in our incarnations on this planet to uh, awaken uh, the earth. We're at a critical time of awakening on this planet. A shift in consciousness is occurring in the next decade or so longer where we will uh, reach enough of a consciousness to create a new social order of cooperation rather than competition. So uh, it will be different than capitalism, but not anything we've seen before uh, because it would be based in a a spiritual awakening. So I like to call it spiritual communism just to trigger people because I'm a a rascal. And even though it has nothing, it's not communism, it's spiritual communism. It's not about forcing anything on anyone. But anyway, that all derives from the Deva Plains and Miraji is uh elise and i's guru and we've both read be here now many many times are involved in that and uh yeah i'm glad that we in our hippie ways i'm not going to get detailed but yeah ways uh inspire you uh we've talked uh, a lot we've met in person and you know you Mm -hmm. follow my facebook readings and writings and i have yes uh, i yeah i just love I love the conversations that we have. I love listening to your readings. I love everything that you do. You're very creative. Um, you're keeping this whole thing going. Like, I can't even tell you how many times that, not that I was veering off or anything like that, but you inspire. You know what I mean? You inspire, which is great. You know, um, it's because, look, sometimes it gets lonely on the path. <laughs> Not not everybody is so like-minded, you know, in the workplace, you know, there's so many dynamics there. There's so many things going on. And for me, especially in New York City, it's a big test. 
and it tests me every day, my tolerance, my patience, my anger, um, my, how I react to things on the subway, um, people that I work with, because it's a multicultural place where I work on 47th Street. And um, it's a test on a daily basis. But the practice has been something that has held true to all the lessons or all the teachings or the learnings from Ram Das, from Be Here Now, from all the devotees, from, you know, um, the devotion, the dedication, you know, uh, the practice. It's what keeps the heart open, learning to love everyone, okay, to serve everyone, okay, to remember, to remember source, God, energy, to remember, um, to feed people and animals and to be truthful, the truth. But most important, being so honest as you can to yourself, as honest as you can with your own self, you know, peeling that onion, you know, it really has to do with that and letting go. Practicing non-attachment. <clears throat> it um, sounds simple, but you catch yourself. When you start the journey, you go in the path, you're looking to make a shift, you know you need to make some sort of change in your life, or, or you need to uh, recalibrate, recal you know. Um, this is yoga and meditation, or Eastern philosophy, is something that can show us the way our individual way it's individual my practice is going to be much different than yours although you help me and you turn me on to a lot of things that i never thought of before we have conversations about things that like i can't have with other people i mean how long are we on the phone together you know here and there uh Sometimes three, four hours. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and like nothing. Uh, we go, we, we, we catch, we um, cover a lot of subject matter. And I can't believe it. We're actually doing this for a podcast. And I always used to say we should do a podcast because our conversations are terrific. <laughs> well, so, now you're, you'll be one of my regular guests. So, I'm really glad. I really am. I'm honored. It's a wonderful place to be. I'm glad that you're doing this. Um, you're a great host. You're a great person. You're a beautiful soul. I love you so much. Um, you're my Baha'i brother. Um, and, you know, and that, and that you recite to be here now, the way that you're doing, you're doing a service. That's Seva right there. You're keeping Ram Dass's spirit alive. Maharaji, Hanuman. You're turning people on to something that is so true and so beautiful. I mean, not everybody takes on to it, but you know, it comes to the it comes when it's needed, and it comes to people that need it, or you know, that's it's the right time to have something like this. It's all about unconditional love. Maharaji didn't yeah. teach anything. Yeah. He just, you know, yeah. he, if you got, you know, our darshan, you got to meet him, fine, but he didn't want you to stay. Yeah, everything was jow. Even even Ram Das, <laughs> jow, jow. Get out of here. Get out of my face. Uh, 
And don't you yeah. have a miracle of love with you right now? Could you I do actually. I do. Random, if you can flip to a random Maharaji story and the first <sighs> short story, not like the two page one, but the short one, read it and we will discuss. Maharaji okay. died, Adam. Adam. <laughs> All right, I just opened it up to 181. I don't know what this is, what this is going to bring us, but here's one. Uh, Maharaji always allowed people to do what they wanted and would seldom tell anyone not to smoke or drink. He never lectured a person, but would arrange the circumstances whereby he or she would want to give up a habit. So that's kind of interesting, you know? Yeah, he, um, uh, I, you know, you I know what? Around. And Lick, and you know what? This is really cool. I have to tell you. I have to tell you, this is actually amazing. That, and I just opened it up to this page because this is one of the miracles that actually happened to me when I was in Brooklyn. We had this conversation before when I had a, a little bit of a problem with the alcohol again and some other stuff. And I'm saying to myself, how did this happen? I thought this was over with. And I'm sitting on my couch. It's the next day. The sun already came up. It's 11 o'clock a.m. I'm up already for 12 hours. Um, not in any good condition. And I don't really feel depressed. I, but I'm wondering, why am I here? What am I doing? Why? How did I get to be doing this again? And I looked at Maharaji's picture on my puja table. And I remember his voice saying to me, because you're not finished yet. You're not done. Get it done and then go on with your business. So when, now when I'm reading this, it says Maharaji always allowed people to do what they wanted and would seldom tell anyone not to smoke or drink. He never lectured a person, but would arrange the circumstances whereby he or she would want to give up that habit. And I have to tell you, because of that experience that I had, when I asked, you know what, I figured it out myself and I got through it. I got over it and done. And then who walked into my life a few months after that was Darlene. And Darlene, well, you know, was not anybody that did the things that I did, which I didn't meet anyone like that, you know, in my life. This was a beautiful person that I wasn't expecting. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we are now engaged and we're actually going to be married on August the 16th, the day that Elvis left the building. Congratulations. Because <laughs> we're, we're big Elvis fans. But isn't that a miracle? So opening up the miracle of love and re reading that miracle line, that really um, transcended. That was really something that just hit on point just now. And there yeah, it is that, again. I wanted to add to that, that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's like uh, it says, Ramdas says, and be here now. You can't rip the skin off the snake. It sheds. Uh, mm. The ego thins like clouds. You know, like it all occurs in a determined process. Mm -hmm. I feel Miraji uh, understood all that. That's why he behaved in such a way. He was living in that awareness that, you know, we all have to go through these stages and the journey, like, you weren't finished with that yet, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then the snake shed a little more skin, and then you were finished with that. And mm -hmm. it's all from a place mm -hmm. of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. not, a person isn't bad for having mm -hmm. bad habits. 
Exactly. I think this is some karmic stuff uh, that I think like Ram Das used to say, uh, you need to burn some stuff out. You need to burn it out, you know? Mm-hmm. I think he said that. But um, I was okay because I still felt Maharaji's love. Um, I felt like even though I knew what I was doing was not exactly right, um, he made me see. And I got out of it by myself um, through his love. Just understanding that he was okay with me no matter what. He was not judging me. He was not labeling me. I was not judging myself. I was not labeling myself. I worked through it finally at the end, you know, to get that last dropout, so to speak, you know, that last squeezing of the squeegee or whatever. Um, and, you know, I thank God for that. I really do. I thank Ram. So oh, my, no. devo- yes. my, my devotion towards Maharaji my love has deepened, you know, grown, and my practice has grown. Like, I'm deeper, um, more meaningful, more time. The, the monkey mind is less when I get on that yoga mat when I do meditation. Um, I don't have to fight it, you know, making myself do Hanuman Chalisa when I get home or, or when I wake up in the morning. I just go with it like it's happening automatically now. Um, in the beginning, it was something more of like uh, uh, forcing myself to do this practice on a regular basis, just the yoga itself, getting on a yoga mat. On it. But I found that that was the place that I wanted to, wanted to be. The only problem that I had with that is that I could not keep my mind quiet. So that showed me where the work had to be done. And I did everything I could to get out of the mind, that monkey mind, and come down into the heart, into that beautiful space. I found that with art. I found that with reading. But there were a whole bunch of other times in between that were lost. And then I found the devotion and the dedication again and the practice through Hanuman Chalisa. So that chant, with other ones, you know, the Maha Mantra, of course, and some other ones from Krishna Das. These are the things that are that I use and I, I weave into my regular daily life and I balance it. And I'm now molding it, like I'm sculpting it, you know, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And um, Adi Baba, I just, uh, that's beautiful the way. Mm-hmm. The Hanuman Chalisa has worked as a, as what we call a sadhana or a upaya. Mm. Sadhana means practice. Upaya mm-hmm. method, the type of practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, in mm-hmm. Satya Yoga, the upanya, upanya, the devotion. Be Hanuman Chalisa. Mm-hmm. And that's from the realized beings. And I opened up to a random mm. page from Be Here Now that happens to say this. Mm-hmm. Then the third way is you trust the fact that there are realized beings and they say it and therefore you know it to be true. It's not inference anymore. It's not an intellectual process. You just accept what they have said. That is faith. So doing the Hanuman Chalisa, you're accepting the wisdom from Hanuman Mm. and realized beings. 
Oh, it's so beautiful. I just really, I'm, I'm in awe. I still can't believe this is all happening. It's so beautiful. Um, and, you know, Hanuman gives me strength and courage every day. And, you know, I have uh, a beautiful... We'll end with this. We'll end with a chant to Hanuman. But I don't know the Hanuman Chalisa. How long <laughs> is it? If you could do it, how long would it take? Uh, it would probably take about five minutes. All right. How about you end it with the Hanuman Chalisa, <clears throat> and I will just listen before I do not know this chant. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Shri Garasharana Sarojarasha Nijamanu Makarusa Dahari Varanan Rukabara Bhimalajasu Jodayakopala Chahari Mudahina Tanujanake Sumaron Pavana Kumara Balabudi Vidyadi Huamohi Harahu Kalisa Bikara Zayavara Ramachandra Padajesaranam yeah, that's the beginning of it right there. Do you want me to go full? <laughs> yeah, go for it. We got time. Okay, we're going to go full. Here we go. Jaya Hanuman Kuna Sagara Jaya Kapisa Tuna Loko Ajukara Lama Tuta Atalita Baladama Hanjani Puta Pabuta Sitinama Mahatera Vikarama Vara Angi Kumate Vara Sumateki Sangi Kanjana Vara Navira Jasuvesa Kanana Kandala Akuna Chita Kesa Hatha Vaja Oda Vaja Vaja Ahi Kanda Himunja Janes and Jahi Shankara Suvana Kesari and Nandana Hija Papa Mahajaga Abandana Vida Vana Guni Ati Tora Ramakasa Karabia Tora Prabhacharita Sana Vikorisia Ramalakshana Sita Mana Visia Sukhma Rupa Dari Sio Indigava Pikata Rupa Dari Lanka Jarava Pima Rupa Dari Asara Sangare Ramachandra Gaya Kaja Sunavari Leya Sajivana Lakashana Jalahi Sira Gopera Hari Sia Ulai Ragupatiya Kanehiya Puta Barihi Suma Mama Priya Batehiya Sama Barihi Sahasa Badana Tura Yasugavi Asakahiya Shapatika Talakavi Sandakita Vamidiya Munaisiya Nara Dashara Sahita Aisiya Yama Kubera Dika Palachana Kabiko Vira Kahisa Gaya Kanate Tuma Apukara Sanga Via Kina Rama Melaya Arraja Padina Tuma Romanta Via Sanamana Lakashavara Bahisa Bojagajana Yuga Sara Sajajana Paravana Leya Tahi Mada Ora Parajana Tabu Mora Gia Melomokamagi Chala di Lagi Gahia Otanai Jurgama Kasha Chakate Jete Sugama Angara to Maria Tete Ramaduare to Maracavari Hatane Agaya Pinapisa Ari Safasuka Lahi to Maria Sarana Tumara Kishaka Kakoa to Adarana 
Ram Ram. 